we're taught to sacrifice in many ways, like Jesus did without being taught how to model his strength. Mm, and he was strong. That's powerful. Wow. There's a strong sense of self in Jesus. Welcome to More Than Small Talk. We're Susie Eller, Jennifer Watson, and Holly Gerth, writers and real life friends. We're inviting you to go deeper, become freer, and feel more connected. So imagine you have a cup of coffee, a mug of tea, or a green smoothie in your hand, and we're all hanging out in your favorite place together. Hey, More Than Small Talk friends. We're excited to be back with you this week. And we have a guest we are so excited about. Dr. Allison Cook has been a writer and psychologist for over 20 years. She is engaged with thousands of women like you. And I love that. Dr. Allison, because what you write comes from the front lines. And I think so many of us think I'm the only one who, and your work helps us know that that's actually not true. So you have a new book, The Best of You. So can you start by telling us a little bit about that? And what did you hear from women that inspired you to write this? Yeah, it's about Mending the past, breaking free from painful patterns, and then discovering your true self in God. And this idea of true self, I think, can get misconstrued in our culture today. There's sort of two extremes, right? There's sort of, it's all about me. You know, myself is capital S, is what all that matters. I don't, my way or the highway. But then there's this other extreme that I think women in faith communities, and this is the one I encounter, which is myself doesn't matter at all. You know, I should completely sacrifice myself. And it's it goes beyond sacrificial and moves into self-betrayal, self-rejection, mm-hmm. which is not healthy and not what God wants for us. Right. And so I really started, what is it, you know, that and just through my own journey as a psychologist and reading just this idea of what I call selfhood, which is in any relationship, there are two people and you are one of those people. And we bring our full selves, the best of who we are into our relationships with other people. But that means we also have to start with that healthy sense of self, that healthy sense of self that gets back to, you know, things like we've got to understand our wounds, areas of wounding, understand areas of trauma, understand um, where we've picked up some survival strategies or some patterns of relating that aren't healthy for us and aren't healthy for our relationships. So it's really kind of that deep dive into how do I become the best version of who God made me to become? Yeah. So how do we know if we might be struggling with this? What are some common things that you see that if our listeners are saying, hmm, I wonder if that's me, how do they know? Well, a lot of times, so in the counseling office, how it would present to me is someone would come in and just download all their frustrations with everybody around them. Hmm. And that is a cue to me. I'm like, I get it. Lots of frustrating people. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, you, what do you have to bring into your relationship? The best of who you are. You cannot change anybody around you. And so (laughs) to me, a big cue is when we're in this cycle of kind of looking at everyone around us, either to fix all our problems or to change. So our problems are fixed, or we're just constantly frustrated by everybody around us. And that's not to say that those things aren't frustrating. But to me, that's a cue that the self, the soul, the self, the you that God has designed to be able to walk into a relationship and navigate what you need out of it, not just what the other person wants. And it also comes out of boundaries work. I began to realize a lot of women say, I know I need boundaries. I know I need boundaries, but I just can't do it. And I started to 
things through that a little more. So that's another cue. Like, I, I know I want to set boundaries, but I can't, I can't do it. I can't figure it out. I feel too guilty. It just doesn't happen. I feel anxious about it. I say I'm going to do it and I don't. Again, to me, I said, what's that foundational thing? Well, there's something going on there, the core of, of us, of me. That is when I get in that moment with that other person, just sort of, uh, I'll just set myself aside mm. in a way that's unhealthy. And so boundaries work really starts. It's sort of this pre-work of what's going on inside of me. How do I get a stronger sense of conviction? How do I get a stronger sense of clarity about the good things I need and I want in my life? so that I can begin to establish the healthier boundaries in the relationships around me. So Mm -hmm. those two things, kind of being chronically frustrated with other people and frustrated with yourself for not being able to set the boundaries you wish you could set. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Something that you said jumped out at me immediately, and I would love for you to address this, self-betrayal. Like, oh my goodness, because a lot of, we do hear a lot of women of faith saying self-care is selfishness and we need to be sacrificial and lay our lives down and, you know, but we're not hearing the other side of that and how damaging it can be when we don't listen to what our bodies are trying to tell us about self-betrayal. That's right. It's a slippery slope, right? Uh, To self-betrayal. And I talk a lot in the book about Jesus as an example of selfhood. I call it selfhood. Selfhood is not selfishness and it's not selflessness. And Jesus had a strong sense of self. Jesus was not a doormat. He, it, when he did sacrifice, it was from a position of strength. Mm. It was from a position of clarity about the higher Mm. purpose. It wasn't just, I'll just do what you want. That, That is not the example we see in Jesus, but it is. The example a lot of women have internalized were taught to sacrifice in many ways, like Jesus did, without being taught how to model his strength. Mm, and he was strong. That's powerful. Wow. There's a strong sense of self in Jesus. So I really lay that out in chapters one and two because there's all these messages around deny yourself, set yourself aside. And I get that, but it's it's not denying, it's not betraying the person that God made you to be. That's not what Jesus is talking about. I believe he's calling us into being even more true to these this higher purpose. So oftentimes the difference is we can do something sacrificial for someone out of out of a sort of a doormat. I sometimes call it the doormat mentality. It's not good for them either. Right. That's where we get into enabling, right. people pleasing, right? And so we're betraying ourselves and it's not actually helpful for our kids, for our friends, for our so selfhood says I know who I am. I know what I need. I know what I want. And I can bring that strength. And I'm going to actually empower and equip other people much more healthily in much better ways if I'm connected to that strong sense of my God-given self. Yeah. And that's breaking the painful patterns that you talk about. Because I look back at my own life and I could say, that now that the selfhood part of me is like, it's whole. And and I'm thankful for that. That did not come easily. I felt like I I remember driving down the road one time and I saw like a shoe and then I saw like a shirt and then I saw, you know, other deals of clothing. And eventually I saw the the whole suitcase on the side of the road. And I thought, (laughs) man, somebody's going to be so disappointed when they get to wherever they're going. But I feel like I've done that my whole life. Like, I've had to unpack these painful yep. patterns that have gone back generations in my family 
but then I have to repack. (laughs) And that's for me has been the more challenging part because when no one has shown you how that can be painful. So what do you say to that woman who she's unpacking, but what do we, how do we know what to pack back in? It's a great metaphor. I love that. And, and, the very first um, chapter of the book is called "What Do You Want?" It is. It's a good one and too. It's exactly what it's exactly what you're getting at because it's a question that for myself in my own life, for so many women I've worked with, it's a deer in the headlights. I don't know, yeah. right? So I, I know all the things you don't want, and 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 this is true for me too. All the things I don't want. Yeah. What are the good things you want to bring in to your life? This is a hard question. Like you said, for so many of us who were not taught to think this way, we were taught that this was selfish. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, so often when people get to the root of it, it's good things, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, I take women through an exercise in that very first chapter. So it's write it down, right, right. Just make a list. Don't censor yourself. And some of it might be selfish. You know, I just want this. I want this. I want this. But as you really pay attention, you start to get to the root of, I want peace. I want, uh, I want, I want genuine relationships with people who care about me and I care about them. It's, it's fascinating. And, and you, you do that work each morning to kind of pay attention. What do I, what are my longings? And longing can be hard. It can mm-hmm. bring up grief. Like, what if I can't get what I want? What if I, what if what I want is selfish, you know? But if we don't pay attention to that and we don't stay in conversation with ourselves, with God, about that, if we don't know what we want, we're not even going to have a hope of getting what we want, those good mm-hmm. things yeah. that we need. So it starts with baby steps. And later in the book and in my own life, you know, I really got into like really simple, like for me, it was just like, I want to do something. I need to bring fun into my life. All yeah. I do is work yeah. and and a therapist. <laughs> and I like took this whole thing about focusing on other people to a whole unhealthy level. <laughs> And like, so for me, I was like, there was this part of me, it went all the way back to sixth grade. I was like, I want to take a theater class. It was just fun. I want to have fun. You know, there was this little young girl in me that was just always wanted to kind of have fun. So again, it, it wasn't something, you know, I don't still do it, but it was like, I, it was like a little thing that I could do in my life at the time. I could insert an hour a week to just do something that was fun. Now that's, that's sort of an example of maybe something that felt insignificant but it was just beginning to honor something inside of me, mm. you know, that was like, I'm going to just do this for me. And, and it's carving out way down to deeper things, you know, of like, I want relationships that are different than what I'm experiencing right yeah. now. And if I don't name that desire, because once you name the desire, you get conviction about it. Then you go out and get the skills to go. How do I get that? How do I make that happen? Yeah, Yeah. that's so good. So if you get in touch with what you want and you even maybe dare to express that and the other people in your life are like, oh, I know the plans I have for your life, (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) 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 then what do you do? How do you how do you say with, you know, grace and keeping that selfhood, you know, like how do you handle when you get pushback from people in your life? So there's a lot in the, the book. There's a chapter called, but won't they be mad? And then I also go into a chapter on health negotiation and healthy relationships. I talk a lot about the spectrum of relationship. People are on the healthy side of relationship. Even when there's health, we still have to have those negotiation conversations. And that's what I call them. 
and drawing new boundary lines in old relationships, right? This presumes there's some help where that person who you yeah. know, isn't, isn't being a jerk, but they're like, wait, you're changing things on me. I don't like this. You know, maybe it's a spouse, you know? And so it's a process, but when there's health, you, but you still have to bravely enter that process. You, it's vulnerable to say, I think I want, I need something different here. Will you join me in a process? Give them a minute, you know, to say, yeah. can we talk about this? You know, instead of just coming in and being like, this is, this is what they were doing. I'm doing it differently now, you know, uh, especially in marriage, right? Honor the fact that you're introducing a change. And I, I walk you through that whole process step by step. Now, there's a whole another side of the spectrum where we might be dealing with someone who's toxic. Yeah. Requires different strategies where they're going to try to stop us from doing good things. And that's hard. And that's where we get into the more of the action boundaries. There's a lot more nuance there. So this is not an easy, it's a great question, right? It's not so easy to be like, great, I figured out who I am and what I want. You know, even in the healthiest of relationships, there's a process of negotiating that relationships aren't just static, but it requires courage to say, I'm willing to kind of honor myself. Again, bringing myself, I'm going to honor this other person too, especially when they're healthy and they don't like it at first, but, but I'm not, I'm also going to stick to my guns a little bit. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try to work a process here. Um, So it's a great question. It's, it's, I wish I could say there's a three magic formula, you know, um, but I do walk you through a whole lot of really practical steps in the book, depending on the nature of your relationship. Yeah. I love that you walk us through that. And so what have you seen on the other side of this? Since you've gotten to walk with clients through this process, what does it lead to in women's lives? Like how does it look different when a woman really takes hold of like, this is who God created me to be. This is what he's called me to do. This is what I really want in this season. What changes? The word is freedom. Um, And it's what I've experienced in my life and what I see in my, there's a freedom. Now it doesn't mean everything magically falls into place in your life, but the the beautiful thing is when there's a freedom of, I know who I am. I know what I want and need. God knows what I want and need. I might not be able to immediately implement that in every single relationship, right? Because we're dealing with messy people, but, and we're messy, but I know, and I'm clear. And, and God knows. And then it's just, there's this freedom of, okay, step by step, day by day, I'm going to take small, brave steps toward that person, that vision of what I want and need out of my life in partnership with God. And you, you're, you're anchored. There's an anchor. There's a rootedness to it. So even when someone comes up, it's like, I don't like that. You know, it's like, okay, that hurts. And also that is telling me something about this relationship that yeah. I need to pay attention mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Because I know I've done the work inside myself first. And it just gives you a clarity about clarity, freedom. Those are the words that come to mind. And you then start to see the people also that really do come alongside you and go, yeah, I want to join you there. And yeah, that I is just that. beautiful. I love and that. sometimes it's the people you don't expect. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you're surprised. You're like, oh, oh, wow, they really are coming alongside in here. That is not what I expected there. <laughs> I love that. Well, there's a story that you share in here that really just kind of captured me. I sat in it for a while and you had an unexpected stroke um, at, a, at a young age mm-hmm. and it caused you to ask God, God, what is it that you want me to do with this life you've given me? 
But I loved his answer that you felt he gave back to you. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, it's still very vivid. Um, and it, it was rooted in, you know, two decades of walking with God, right? God yeah. might have given me a different answer 20 years ago. But sure. the the answer I sensed from him, and it just touched me exactly in my own areas of wounding, which are tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do, whether it's God or someone else. You know, I don't know what I want, right? Yeah. And so here I am saying, God, you know, somehow I have this second chance at life you've given me. You've turned my world upside down, but here I am. What do you want? And I sensed from God, what do you want? Mm-hmm. What do you want? I want you to use the gifts you've been given. And it was based in, I know you, Alice, mm-hmm. and I know you've done this work. What do you want? And there was this weird, like, partnership feeling with God, you know, that we mature in our relationships with God. You know, he wasn't treating me like a kid anymore. Like, Mm. well, here, do this. You know, it was like, Mm. you're, you know, I know you. So it was this very different, and I'd been moving in that direction with God, but it was just this very clear kind of sense from God that, um, and I'd started the seeds of this book prior to that stroke, the the day prior. Um, and so it it gave me the courage to pick back up and just say, I think this, I think I want to have this conversation, what I'm having with you right now with women about not being afraid to ask that question. What do I want God? And, and, and that God, Jesus asks us that question. What do you want? Mm -hmm. I'm listening. (laughs) It's, it's, it's us together, you know, let's, let's do something together based in who you really are. Yeah. So so good. And yeah, we see him ask that question in the gospels, which always surprises me when he's like, what do you want me to do? You know, Jennifer, I know you're really passionate about freedom and these things. So what are your thoughts? Well, and something that I um, really love is, and this is like switching gears just a little bit, but um, it is finding that freedom with people who are walking through trauma and walking through mental illness. And you talk about how those things are lumped together. I would love for you to speak into that because I think knowing brings the freedom, right? Mm, And the holy confidence to say, no, this is what it is. And this is what I need, you know, um, and moving like truly walking forward and knowing how to kind of detangle some of those things from your thinking. Yeah. One of the things I talk about is this, what I call a cocktail of codependency where we lose sight of our own selves. That's the self betrayal in, in favor of only either focusing on helping other people or focusing on getting other people to tell us what we want, <laughs> which is how I look at codependency. And the co- in that cocktail, I described three ingredients. And one of those ingredients is childhood wounds or trauma. We, we have a wound mm-hmm. to our core sense of self. We were hurt. We were neglected. We weren't mirrored well. And by mirrored, you know, a, a child is supposed to be mirrored. Parents are supposed to hold up a mirror. Now, if you become an adult and you're still wanting everybody to mirror mirror you, that's narcissism. We don't want that. <laughs> but as children, right, there's a way in which a parent's job is to help a child understand who they are, what they need, what they how to express themselves, how to get what they, they want, where their blind spots are, you know. When there's wounds there, neglect, abuse, even just small T traumas, like the ones that I described, you know, bullying or feeling like an outcast among your peers, whatever it may be, you pick up these messages about yourself and we have to heal those 
we have to heal those as we go into adulthood because they create these patterns Mm -hmm. of behavior of either overlooking to other people to rescue us or deferring to other people. Um, some of, some people fight, some people flight, and then some people do what we call fun, which is the people pleasing, which really becomes a survival response. Mm -hmm. I can make everybody happy. I'll be okay. Which is really a a little bit of a betrayal of Mm -hmm. self. It's learned and there's no shame in it, but we have to heal those wounds. And so in many cases, we have to go back to the source of where we picked up these strategies. So often when I work with people, you know, they'll have a memory at a really bizarre memory from a really young age of like, I think this is where I kind of learned, like, just never make it about you. Never make it about mm-hmm. you. It's not safe. Mm-hmm. And so we have to unlearn some of that and then take ourselves on a process. So healing mm-hmm. from that is a process. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it, it's just so, you know, I talk about getting curious, noticing, oh, that is so hard for me to even think about stating a preference. Asking mm-hmm. for what I need in my relationship. That just brings, you know, when I was healing, I thought, I, I tell the story in the book later on about having, I was making a new friend. I was in my 30s. I was making a new friend and we would, she was just always really a go getter. We would do everything that she wanted to do. And I was like, I need to ask to do something I want to do mm-hmm. because otherwise I'm just, and so, and, and that was so anxiety producing in me mm-hmm. to say, hey, how would you feel about doing this? And she was like, that'd be awesome. You know, yeah. The the feel the anxiety was within me, rooted in my own wounds. It wasn't about her. We don't know until we try. Right. That is so good. Well, we want people to be able to find this beautiful book. Uh, it's The Best of You, Breaking Free from Painful Patterns. Mend your past and discover your true self in God. And who doesn't want that? I want all of that. Uh, how can they find you and how can they find this book? Yeah, it's available um, anywhere books are sold. And if you, it's it comes out September 13th and I have a whole bunch of pre-order bonuses, a bunch of um, Boundaries for Women course, um, uh, some things about emotions, toxic behaviors. So kind of some of the stuff we were talking about where it's hard. Um, a lot of that is free right now if you pre-order the book. So if you go to anywhere books are sold and then go to my website, it's drallisoncook.com backslash book to get all those pre-order freebies. Awesome. Well, thank you for bringing the best of you to us today. Like even this conversation and the book and the work you do is all because you have processed this first and walked with Jesus through it and walked with clients through it. And now we get to benefit and our listeners do too. So I just want to say a big thank you. Thank you for doing this hard work that is now benefiting all of us. Thank you so much for having me. And that's it for today's episode. Thanks for going deeper, becoming freer, and connecting with us. More Than Small Talk is a part of the KLRC Podcast Network and is produced by Kara Culver. Show notes and resources are available on the More Than Small Talk page on klrc.com. You can also join us in our Facebook group. Subscribe to More Than Small Talk on your favorite app so you won't ever miss an episode.